Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these because they know they can never touch these. Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast, y'all. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. I apologize for the frog in my throat today. I'm a little bit under the weather. I don't think it's COVID. I've tested twice and I've been negative both times. And I don't really have a fever or anything. It's possible that it's allergies. It also might be some random ass bug, but I don't know. But I'm like the post office. I'm showing up in rain, in sleet, in snow. Is there another one? In ice. Ice, ice, ice. I'm going to do my best to keep my sniffles and coughs to a minimum. We will get through this, but I might be going a little slow today. So I'm riding quite the high this week, and I'm not just talking about weed. I've had quite the little January journey, a little personal development trip to really set the tone for 2024. First, I went to New York for the first fitting for my apparel brand, which is called LP Rich. Since I have a nasally issue today, it is the letter L, it is the letter P, and then the word rich. It was really surreal to see something that I created. I designed something that was my idea, standing in front of me in physical form. That was my idea. No one else's. It was my vision that I saw come to life. And it was wild. Like, I had to hire a model in everything. Very, very surreal. I was like, this is my life right now. Oh, I also have my first sewing class this week. I am very excited. A little nervous. I sort of feel like I'm kind of getting my groove back. Just a little. I mean... Bubonic plague aside, I'm starting to pick up the pieces, and I like it. I said I like it like that. See, even when I'm sick, I can still bust a tune. I also attended a financial literacy workshop while in New York that was just hella inspiring and motivating. One of the very first speakers recommended a book that I have since purchased, and now I'm halfway through it. It's called Rich AF by Vivian Tu. And in case you didn't know, AF means as fuck. I'm shocked that I've read half of a financial book already. I ordered it next day delivery via Amazon, read it on my flight from New York to New Orleans, and then read more on my flight from New Orleans to Miami. This book is not like other financial books that I've started. This one is written by one of my own. This book is written by a millennial. She used to work for J.P. Morgan as a stock trader. She's smart. She breaks down finances in non-judgmental layman's terms. Oh, I saw an article the other day that said millennials are the first generation since the 1800s that are worse off than their parents in American history. Millennials are overeducated, overworked, lonely, speak for yourself, depressed, and poor in almost every metric across the board. Like, Yikes. Yikes, y'all. So yeah, I'm going to begin a recurring segment on The Rich Room where I discuss and dissect Vivian Tu's book, Rich AF. I 
think she also lives in Miami now, so that might be a possible guess in the future. So, if you want to read along with me, now's the time to order the book Rich AF by Vivian Two. After my New York trip, I flew from New York to New Orleans to walk in the Chewbacca's Parade, which is a Star Wars-themed parade held every year in New Orleans. First off, let me say, when I got to the airport in New York, it was snowing so beautifully. I've never seen snow coming down like that before. It was just coming down from the sky in such an elegant manner that I was entranced by it. I feel like another trip that I really want to take soon is to go away for the winter holidays. I also really want to take my daughter to France for her birthday, but we'll just see how that goes. So, I've been to the Chewbacca Parade probably about four or five times in previous years, and I always have a fantastic time. The insane detail and workmanship that goes into these costumes is very impressive. And it's not just like Star Wars stuff, it's really all fantasy-related things. I think there's one group of people who just dresses as space cats, which is so funny. I think I recall seeing basically a naked group of avatars living their best avatar life. There are contortionists, there are pole dancers, not in a stripping way, but like in an acrobatic Cirque du Soleil way. Well, there was some drama, to say the least, and it involved me, unfortunately. There was also some drama that did not involve me, but nonetheless, drama. Okay, so it was really, really cold on the night of the parade. That's important. My sister has been a bartender for many years, and she's a freaking pro at it, and she was tasked with making the punch for the bar cart that gets towed around the parade route so people can keep on enjoying their time. As you all know, I'm on a different path than I have been in previous years, and I tend not to drink a lot. The main reason I don't is because I don't want to get hungover and feel sick because then I can get in a depressed headspace and I don't like it. Plus, when I'm in that headspace, anxiety attacks and panic attacks run amok. But it was cold as fuck that night, so I decided to have two drinks before the parade and then I wouldn't drink the rest of the night. I figured the two drinks would help me warm up a little bit and then once I was actually on the parade, I would warm up doing all the dances, you know, shaking my ass. I was debating on whether or not to bring my fuzzy Sherpa coat with me. It was a coat that I bought from Aloe in preparation for my New York trip, and it literally saved my fucking life in New York. And it also saved my life again last Saturday during the Chewbacca's parade. More on that later. I imagine most of my listeners are from the Gulf Coast and have experience with Mardi Gras and have been to Mardi Gras parades. But for those of you who don't know, they're a real good time. People are letting loose. They are drinking. They're smoking weed. They might be doing other stuff, but they are living their best damn lives. So it took about an hour and a half to walk the entire route of the parade. People in the crew were drinking and smoking the entire time. As you all know, I have a medical cannabis license and take cannabis for, you know, anxiety, PTSD, little chronic pain. And there was a point in the parade where I told my sister that I was going to smoke a joint. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing weird. She says to me, maybe wait for a better time when we stop. And I was like, no problem. I told y'all, I'm a rule follower. I do not like getting in trouble or doing anything to get myself in trouble. 
We continued to walk in the parade for a few more blocks. Lizzo's Good As Hell was playing and I was dancing my little heart out. In fact, I have a video of myself dancing just moments before this occurred. The parade was then stalled, so we were basically stopped. And my sister turns to me and says, this will be a good time to smoke a joint. And I was like, hell yeah. So I get out my legally purchased cannabis and I light a joint. And then a few seconds later, the security person with the crew that I was walking with tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you gotta go. You gotta get off the route. I was absolutely stunned and thought it was actually a mistake. I kept asking over and over again, okay, but why? I'll leave, but why? And the security person did not give me an answer or any reason as to why I was being kicked out of the parade and just kept saying over and over, you gotta go. So I turned to my sister and I was like, so I'm being kicked out of the parade and I'm not sure why and I'm not being told why, but I don't think there's anything I can do about it. My sister approached the security person and the person was like, she's gotta go. This is coming from Jan. The security person spoke with authority when dropping Jan's name. Clearly someone higher up and with pull in the crew had told the security person to kick me out of the parade. This was coming all the way from the top. But I was not given a reason as to why I was being kicked out. We were close to the end of the parade and my sister was like, just walk alongside, we're almost to the end, and we can get it all sorted out. That seemed like the most reasonable plan of action, but as I'm sure you can imagine, my feelings were a little hurt, and I felt like it was not justified to kick me out of the parade, and I wasn't even given a reason. So I started weaving through the crowd to a clearing on the other side of the street, and I walked alongside the crew. Up until that point, I was having a fantastic time. My daughter and me got an Airbnb with my brother and sister. We hung out all day, got ready in our costumes. It was very fun. I had been preparing for weeks, getting my outfit ready and learning the dances. And it was finally fucking showtime and your girl was gonna shine. That's the thing about shining though. It pisses people off. So I'm walking on the side of the route, keeping up with the crew because my sister had the only key to the Airbnb. So I really didn't have many options and we were close to the end. I was very proud of myself for not having an emotional reaction, even though it would have been justified and was very thankful for my therapy. Okay, kick me out of the parade, but why not tell me why? That just seems so odd. So I kept walking for about five minutes. It couldn't have been more than five minutes. And I heard someone scream, Lindsay! And it was my sister. So I walked over to her and apparently she had had some words with Jan. And I was now allowed to walk in the parade again. Hmm. My sister was so sweet though. She told me that we all will leave if I wanted to leave because it was some bullshit, but I also could come back in and finish the parade if I wanted to. I honestly didn't want to go back in. I felt very uncomfortable around these people because I didn't know who Jan was and I was just living my best life during the parade and apparently pissed Jan off. So it's not like I really wanted to re-enter the group and hop right back in to doing the cute little dances, but at the same time, I was like, I'm either going to walk on the outside of the parade or I'm either going to walk on the inside of the parade. Also, I'm not going to make my daughter and brother and sister get out of the parade right now. 
So I decided to join the group. But boy, did that kill the mood for me. And my family was also very protective, basically walking around me. But then I feel like this little incident also killed their moods. I will say, though, you can always count on me to crack a joke, to try and alleviate the tension. And this incident was no exception. While we were walking towards the end of the parade, I turned to my sister. and I was like, oof, you know, uh, this feels a little anti-Semitic. But a uh, I was just kidding. So we went to the end of the parade and basically we're disassembling the bar cart and making a plan to go back to the B&B. There was an after party that we were supposed to go to, but I was not going to go hang out with these hoes after that. I also heard it was a cash bar, so that was a big fuck no. Here's a hot tip. Don't invite me to events if there's a cash bar. Like, what's the fucking point? Anyways, so we are in this parking lot and the security person comes up to me and asks if I'm okay and basically apologizes for what went down. A weird comment that I got from both the security person and Jan was, thank you for not crying. It would have been a totally appropriate response to what had transpired. I don't know. I thought that was a weird comment. But I told them that I was like, y'all are lucky I've had a shit ton of therapy because otherwise I might have had to light your ass up, metaphorically speaking, of course. Then Jan came and apologized to me. So I found out later that the rule for the crew is to not get wasted. And if you do get wasted and go over the line, you're going to be asked to leave. Seems like a fair enough rule. But that couldn't have been the case with me, could it? Because I had two drinks the whole day and I hadn't had an alcoholic beverage in over an hour before the incident. Also, no one told me that they thought I was wasted. I was simply asked to leave. So then Jan comes up to me and she said, I'm sorry, I didn't know people smoked weed at this Mardi Gras parade. I've been to this parade for the past 10 years and I've never seen anyone smoking weed. Sure, Jan. Then she goes, I mean, we have seven-year-old girls out here. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? Why is it appropriate to drink alcohol around seven-year-old girls so much so that there's a fucking bar cart toted throughout the whole parade, but me taking legal medication is more offensive? Also, let's say it's not for medication. How is weed any worse than alcohol? What kind of Richard Nixon brainwashing shit have you consumed? That's the crazy thing about cannabis, huh? Even if it's medical or if it's recreational, it all looks the exact fucking same. Fucking cool. I'm not kidding. Smoking looks fucking cool. But seriously, it's indistinguishable to an onlooker whether my cannabis consumption is medical or recreational. But bitch, that's my business, not yours. It's my fucking cup. Little did Jan know that last year at this parade, I had a major panic attack. So I need my medication. Also, I was dancing up a storm and I got a bad hip, so that chronic pain was starting to flare up too. Last year was Madison's first time to walk in the Chewbacca's Parade, and she really wanted me to come see her. I feel like the majority of parenting is just showing up, just being present for your kids. They don't forget that stuff. As I'm sure you can imagine, I felt very compelled to attend the parade and see Madison walk on the route. Apart from Madison being in the parade, I did not want to go at all because three months prior, I was driving in New Orleans and witnessed a shooting, which definitely came with some PTSD. So I'll tell this story real quick. 
In October 2022, I was driving to pick up to-go sushi from one of my favorite restaurants in New Orleans called Saki Cafe. I love that restaurant. There's literally a code in the POS system called Lindsay for my order, which is off-menu. I was driving on Washington, which is a two-way street, and I see there are two groups of people on both sides of the street facing each other. You could tell from the body language that there was an altercation of some sort going on. The group to my right was in front of a house, and the group to my left was in front of a store. There was a car in front of me and a car behind me. As the car in front of me is approaching the two groups, a young woman briskly walks outside of the house on the right side. She has a gun in her right hand, which is hanging by her side. And as she's walking, she begins raising the gun, aiming for the group across the street in front of the store. So my first, like, naive thought when I saw the gun is, oh, I wonder why she has a fake gun. I know that's probably a weird response, but I didn't think the gun was real initially. Well, that changed pretty quickly. The young woman had raised the gun and continued to walk forward. She then turns the gun sideways, which I have always referred to as the kill shot. I don't know where I heard this, but here we are. When she turns the gun sideways, I was like, oh my God, that is not a fake gun. Then she pulls the trigger and goes pop, pop. Everyone in both groups drop to the ground. The crazy thing is that the group on the right side by the house did not even see the woman coming out of the house with the gun because she was behind them. So they were just as surprised about the pop pop as everyone else was. Everyone in both groups dropped to the ground. The car in front of me stops to avoid driving into the line of fire. I slam on my brakes and I kind of freeze for a few seconds. And then I say to myself, this is dangerous. We got to get out of here. I look behind me and see the car behind me is reversing. So I reverse too. And I turn my car around in the other direction and I pull into a shopping center parking lot to collect myself. I was fucking shook. I was very startled and shaken from what I had just experienced. If you're wondering if I still got my sushi, I think you know that the answer is, of course I still got my sushi. It took me 45 minutes even though I was 10 minutes away from the restaurant because I kept taking wrong turns even though I had lived in New Orleans for 10 years and I knew exactly where I was going. But after that incident, I just kept taking wrong turns. I was fucking shook. But I still got my sushi. As I'm sure you can imagine, I was very afraid to go out in New Orleans, meaning really I was terrified to leave my house. So Mardi Gras last year did not really feel like a safe place for me at the time, but I knew that I had to go see my daughter in the parade and that it was important for me to show up. That tension though, knowing that I need to show up, but everything on the inside was screaming that the parade was dangerous, produced a very bad panic attack. A panic attack for me feels like I get really hot. My face gets really red. I'm crying uncontrollably. I'm hyperventilating. I, I really can't communicate well when I'm having a panic attack, which makes it very difficult for someone to help me. It's not a fun time. When my sister first asked if I wanted to walk with her crew this year, my initial thought was to say no because I just didn't want to revisit that. 
But now I actually try to go towards things that scare me instead of running away from them. And I was like, I'm going to walk in this parade to help get over this PTSD bullshit. You know what? I did that. I did walk in the parade and I did prove to myself that I could do it. Jan can't take that away from me. I actually don't think it was about the joint. I think it was the light up star pasties. Nothing pisses a white woman off more than a female nipple. And although I was not exposing my female nipples, I was actually making sure they were covered up. But in doing so, I covered them up with hot pink glittery stars with LED lights. So they were like extra highlighted, but still covered up. Even though they were covered up, the pasties were basically like saying like, look at these things. <laughs> I don't know why I just went Jamaican, but here we are. But you know what? I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I have really muted myself and held back on my own self-expression for like my entire life, worrying about what other people will think of me, worrying about how an attorney is supposed to act, worrying about how a mom is supposed to act, worrying about how a female is supposed to act. But I'm not fucking doing that anymore because doing that only got me very unhappy, self-loathing, and self-hatred. So I'm not doing that anymore. Sorry, Jan. And I was dancing pretty damn hard. I was going full out. I thought that was the point. The reason I mentioned that is because apparently there was an entirely separate issue. No idea if Jan was involved. But there was a separate issue with another girl who was dancing and a member commented that she was dancing too hard. And apparently that girl got upset and left the route. Drama, drama, drama. Obviously, I have no proof that the pasties are the reason for the parade ejection, but it sure as shit wasn't because I was wasted because I was not. I was the most sober I've ever been at a Mardi Gras parade. I think it was the pasties because I was the only girl wearing light up pasties, so I definitely pulled focus. It's not about the pasties! When I got kicked out of the parade, I was so thankful that I brought my Sherpa jacket because I would have just been kicked out of the parade on the side, walking by myself, dressed as a Star Wars character, with light-up star pasties shining through my costume, and nothing to cover up with. This was my first time ever wearing pasties. Well, actually, it's my second. The first time was in a romantic situation, and I got turned down. <laughs> so this was sort of my pasty redemption. I was very excited about my outfit. And was actually being proactive by wearing pasties. Because the outfit was great, but there was only one problem. You could see nips through the outfit when I tried it on back in Miami. My daughter was in the parade last year, and I recall her saying that the costumes were a bit thin, but they were comfortable and supportive. Meaning, you didn't have to wear a bra with them. That's the goal in life, right? To not have to wear a bra because bras are very uncomfortable, restricting, and claustrophobic. So I decided that I would get some nipple covers so there wouldn't be any nip slips at the Chewbacca's parade. I'm in a very transitional time in my life and I'm trying new things. What better place to test drive some pasties than a Mardi Gras parade? I mean, seriously. So when Jan was talking to me, I wasn't really saying anything. She clearly felt bad and seemed a little squirmy, like she wouldn't look me in the eye. Uh, 
but my little protector, aka my daughter Madison, was fired up. And she was like my little hype man. She'd said a few things to Jan, but the only thing I can remember her saying very passionately was, she should have at least been given a warning. Madison's the best. I didn't say much to Jan, but I did say, so weed is legal. I am a cannabis patient with a license. I was taking medication during the parade. Oh, I'm also an attorney. License in three states, bitch. I didn't say that. <laughs> Don't let the light up pasties fool you. I'm an attorney. All in all, I'm not mad at Jan. But I am curious to find out what was the reason she wanted to kick me out of the parade. Because it couldn't have been because I was wasted and I doubt it was because of the weed. Okay, let's move on. So we finally got to the conclusion of the reunion of Salt Lake City Housewives. I'm going to tell you what, Lisa Barlow nailed it on the fucking head when she said that Monica is not good at arguing. I think that kind of shook Monica. She didn't really seem to recover after that because... What can you say back to someone who accuses you of being bad at arguing and then you are, in fact, bad at arguing? The only thing that Monica could say to people were that they were old and ugly. That's like juvenile fighting. Not like back that ass up juvenile, but like adolescence. Even though I've been saying that I thought Monica was not returning to next season, I did think there was a chance for her to redeem herself at the reunion. But part three of the reunion sealed the deal, and Monica really put the last nail in her coffin for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She fails to grasp that the Instagram account that she was part of, posting horribly mean comments and calling people mean names that someone else had apparently said about these ladies, was hurtful. And Monica was absolving herself of all liability because she's not the one who made the original harmful statement. It's the oldest trick in the book. I didn't start the rumor. I just repeated it. That's not how accountability works, Monica. You got to own up to your part in it. And she did not. In fact, she doubled down and then tripled down that she was doing something good by apparently exposing Jen Shaw who allegedly mistreated her employees, which is why Monica went after her? Bitch, get a different job. That's how you handle a bad job. Quit. Go to a new job. Move on with your fucking life. What the fuck are you doing repeatedly stalking Jen Shaw? You do not have a job. Don't you have four young kids? Wake the fuck up, Monica. This is not normal behavior. I just want to shake her. I think Monica needs to be accountable for her actions, but at the same time, I give her somewhat of a pass because of the years of mental abuse she sustained from the relationship with her mother. I almost think that's why Bravo can't have her back. Monica is sick. She is broken. If Bravo put her back on the show, it would almost be irresponsible. It would be so irresponsible. Then Bravo would be doing exactly what Bethany Frankel accused them of doing by exploiting people. If Bravo had Monica back for another season, it would almost be like we were exploiting her trauma for the sake of drama on TV. Interesting. Drama and trauma rhymes. Hmm. Monica needs some help. She is at a point where her life has been so chaotic. She's been manipulated. She's been abused. And she thinks this is normal. It is not normal to look at security cameras and record someone else 
inside of their home when you are not part of their family. That is fucked up. Honey, you need to be an example for these four girls you're raising. I highly doubt this is how you want them to handle situations. Also, I'm not a therapist, but it sort of feels like Monica is repeating the exact same behavior that her mom exhibited when Monica was growing up. Monica's biggest issue with her mom is that her mom sent Monica to live with another family at the age of 12 while Monica's mom went to New York City to pursue a career in television. It kind of seems like Monica might be repeating a bit of the same pattern. Like, who's taking care of Monica's kids? It's not her mom. It's not the child's father who lives across the country. Don't tell me the oldest one is being tasked with looking after the younger three. Unfortunately, I think that's what is happening. And I can see how kids, even if they aren't living with a different family, could feel abandoned by your mom leaving for a TV show. Just a thought. I think Monica's lack of accountability was the biggest reason that her redemption quickly failed. Apart from that, Monica's attempts to have a shocking moment in the reunion were almost laughable. In fact, the ladies all laughed at her, and Andy even laughed at her several times. They're all laughing at you. And they did. That really killed her spirit. The first laughable moment was when Monica presented The Burn Book. Very similar to the burn book in the Mean Girls movie. If there had been a real burn book with quality information, it could have been a moment. But it was less Gossip Girl, more Kindergarten Project. Like, Monica paid money for that. She went probably to Hobby Lobby, picked out stickers and markers. She found old pictures of all the housewives on the internet, printed them out on photo paper, you know that's more expensive than regular, and then glued them to the paper with comments from the Mean Girls movie. This is so not Gossip Girl, honey. This reminds me of my senior book from high school English class. Side note, we got to pick a senior song to include in our senior book and print like the lyrics out, and I chose... Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. How emo is that? The burn book fell fucking flat and was really a miss, making Monica look even more like a child. She was like, it's a joke. It wasn't funny. The second laughable moment that took all the wind out of Monica's sails was when she said that the FBI had asked her to follow Jen and gather evidence and catch Jen drinking and driving. That is absolutely absurd. All the ladies laughed at the ridiculousness of Monica's claim. Honestly, maybe the FBI did ask her to do it. Like, it kind of seems like Monica might have been contacting the FBI, like, on multiple occasions, trying to give them information in, on Jen. Maybe to the point where she was kind of getting in, in the way of the investigation. So, it's possible but highly unlikely that someone at the FBI was like, hey, you know what? Thank you so much. You just, any evidence you have, you give it to us. And kind of maybe made Monica keep busy so that she didn't impede the FBI investigation. The stupidest thing about this is that Monica filmed herself repeatedly driving by Jen's house and then shared the video with other people. 
My biggest disappointment with Monica is that she teased that she had so much more information to share and that there was so much more to the story that we all really wanted to hear. But when the time came for her to tell her side of the story, she didn't say anything new. She had the platform, she had the opportunity to give her side of the story, and she didn't say shit. I would like to see a show where Monica gets therapy because right now, She's coming from a place of extreme brokenness, and I would like to see her get some help. Everybody loves a redemption. Bravo announced right before the final part of the reunion that Monica was not returning to the next season. Monica should use this time to get her online business going again. She said at the reunion that she can't fulfill orders and had to refund money to people. Maybe she should stop making burn books and place a fucking reorder. She has the audience. She could monetize. You hate to fucking see it. We were rooting for you, Monica. We were all rooting for you. The cringiest thing, and I'm not sure if this is true because I didn't see it firsthand, is that someone is apparently posting on Reality Von Tees to bring Monica back. Now, who the fuck do we think that is? Okay, on to Heather's black eye. So Heather also didn't give us more information about how the black eye happened. She only told us that there was a lot of drinking and that she woke up the next morning with a black eye and she knew that Jen had given it to her. Okay, here's what I think. I don't think Jen and Heather were just drinking. I think they were doing something a little stronger and I don't mean weed. Last year at the finale, Lisa Barlow said, that Jen told Lisa that Heather and Meredith were doing ketamine on one of the girls' trips. I think something like that likely happened on the trip where Jen gave Heather a black eye. Have y'all seen the movie 13? It has that girl in it, Rachel something. What is that bitch's name? I want to say it's Rachel McAdams, but I know that's wrong. Oh my God, it's Evan Rachel Wood. Okay, so 13 is starring Evan Rachel Wood and Nikki Reed, who is also Rosalie in the Twilight movies. Fun fact. If we want to go a step deeper, Catherine Hardwick, who also directed the first Twilight movie, directed the movie 13. Nerd alert! Wait, I guess I should have said that before I said the nerdy thing. Anyways, in the movie 13, these two girls, who are obviously 13 years old, And there's a scene where they're like inhaling nitrous oxide. Is that what it's called? I don't know. But they're like, I think that's right. I think they're inhaling like the nitrous oxide out of a whipped cream can. And this obviously gets them high. And they can't feel anything. So they're like, hit me, hit me. And they proceed to hit each other in the face. And then they laugh because they can't feel anything. I have a feeling That's what happened with Heather and Jen. I want to go ahead and state for the record that this is purely speculative. I have no information. I'm just connecting the dots. So I tried to get on the dating app Hinge the other day, but I quickly got off of it, mainly because there were so many questions that I had to fill out for my profile. I guess that's a good thing, but not really what I'm feeling right now. Like, it feels like doing the dating apps is a job in and of itself. The app wants you to fill out all of this information about yourself and then decide whether you want to put that information on your profile or not. And my response to everything is like, I don't know. I'm like that bitch from Mrs. Doubtfire though. I'm like, 
I don't do laundry. I don't do windows. I don't do carpets. I don't do bathtubs. I don't do toilets. I don't do diapers. I don't do washing. I don't do basements. I don't do dinners. And I don't do reading. (laughs) So I took that as a sign to get off hinge. Dating apps seem so burdensome and laborious to me. I don't want to do it. I literally have no motivation. If y'all know anyone who you think would be a good match for me, hit me up at 504-224-9919. I think this might be a better route to go than fucking Hinge. Oh my God, should I do a dating show? Like, should I host my own dating show? They used to have those. Hmm, that could be funny. Bachelor number one, bachelor number two, bachelor number three. I don't want any of y'all. I choose myself. Man, that would be a bad TV show. I'm doing everything I can to avoid these dating apps because it just feels bleak. And I don't feel like going out and I don't feel like getting dressed and I don't feel like putting on a face of makeup. No, not doing it. Like, if I go out with someone, are we going to split the bill? How does that work? Do I pay? Does he pay? I have no idea how this fucking works. Lord help me. I have this weird, unique ability to feel connected to a stranger, like, almost instantly. Does anyone else ever feel this? I also get, like, an intense, natural high when I have a positive stranger interaction. It makes me so happy. People I know is a different story. I avoid people I know at all costs. As Gary Janetti would say, if you see me and then quickly pretend that you didn't see me, know that I was already pretending not to see you. When I enter a public space, I become like a Navy fucking SEAL. Before entering the store, I've scanned the perimeter, positioned myself out of the eyesight of anyone who might look like someone I might know, and I get in and I get the fuck out. I'm like, Go, 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 go. But not a stranger. Once the initial vibe check is passed with someone, I could tell them my entire life story. It's weird. And that's what happened with my new best friend who doesn't know that they're my best friend, Maeve. Maeve is a customer service representative for an editing software that I use to edit this podcast. I left a spirited review about a month ago and Maeve followed up with me to set up a call to discuss my review. The only times that were available were like 2 a.m. to 9 a.m., so I figured Maeve was not on this side of the Atlantic. And as soon as we started the call, I knew that I liked Maeve. Every step of the call was explained to me from the jump. Like, Maeve gave this really great overview from the outset of the call and explained everything we would go over and even anticipated questions that I had. Maeve was just a whole fucking vibe and the Irish accent didn't suck. Also, I found out that Maeve is located in Amsterdam. We kikied and just had a great chat. We talked for like 20 to 30 minutes, but it was seriously one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. Shout out to Maeve. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the new cast member, Anne-Marie, from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I don't like her. She has not made a very good impression thus far. So Kyle made some offhand comment about Sutton not eating her food, implying that Sutton has an eating disorder. And Sutton responds, You know I have a small esophagus and I can't eat my food. 
Anne-Marie, who is a nurse anesthetist, oh my God, I said it right, jumps the fuck in and for like three fucking episodes decides to question Sutton's medication that she's taking as well as her small esophagus diagnosis. Education is a wonderful thing, but no one likes for you to get up all up in their medical history. Like, leave her the fuck alone. She's not your patient. If Anne-Marie was an attorney, there would be no way she would be asking such invasive questions. That's how you find yourself on the wrong side of an ethics issue, because now the person might be like, oh my gosh, you're my attorney. I don't know why Anne-Marie can't accept the small esophagus diagnosis, but she keeps saying like, that is not correct. Ask any medical professional and you sound like an idiot. Anne-Marie, as Lisa Barlow would say, is not really good at arguing. It's like she instantly forgets what she says. She's like Dory from Finding Nemo. Anne-Marie was like, I've caught Sutton and two lies so far. Two lies. And Crystal's like, so you're saying she's lying? And Anne-Marie was like, no, I didn't. Don't put words in my mouth. Bitch, those are the words that you put in your own mouth. Ugh. Like, you're making yourself look like a fool. I don't know. We'll see how this bitch plays out. I'm on the search for some new words. I think the words vibe and trigger are used a lot, and understandably so, but I feel like we need new words for them. So far, I haven't come up with anything good, and I have been asking around to see if anyone else has ideas. Activated is another word that you could use for trigger. That is a good one, but it still doesn't feel like it means the same. I looked up the synonyms for vibe. There was one question on Google that says, how do I say vibe professionally? The answer was ambiance, atmosphere, aura, feeling, impression, mood, quality, sense. All good synonyms, but none really hit the same as vibe, which makes me think that I might have to make up a word. If you have any ideas on new words for vibe or trigger, please text me at 504-224-9919. So there's a full moon on Thursday, January 25th, the day this podcast comes out. Full moons are amazing. There used to be literal festivals around each full moon. I feel like we should do that again. It couldn't fucking hurt. But a full moon is an amazing time to ask for what you want. And that is my rich bitch tip of the week. We need to be willing to ask specifically for what we want. You can call it manifesting. You can call it visualization. But a full moon, to me, is a good time for you and the universe or God or whatever you want to call it to discuss what you want. Bring it to the forefront of your mind. Be specific. Ask for it like you fucking deserve it because you do deserve it. Put some meaning behind it. Say that shit with your chest. You don't have to do like any moon rituals or anything like that. I mean, I will be doing it. But is a good time for reflection on what you want. What do you want this month? What do you want this year? What do you want out of your life? Madison is coming over and we are going to light a fire in my fire pit. The smokeless one that isn't actually smokeless. I got these cool like color changing packs that you put in the fire and it will make the fire actually change colors. So it'll look like we're doing spells and we might be, which is 
Very on brand for us. Might even roast a marshmallow or two. That is it, y'all. We've reached the end of episode 21 of The Rich Room. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. As always, leave us five stars and maybe pop in a comment if you'd like. Thank you for bearing with me and the frog in my voice and the congestion. I'm going to go lay down now. See you next week. Yeah.